When you sign up for BP Me Rewards, you can get five cents off every gallon of gas every time at BP or Amico stations. That means more savings and more whatever you'd like to use your savings on. So treat yourself. It's on us. Visit bp.com slash save to learn more. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All hit radio. Welcome to the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, and our affiliates worldwide. On the UK High, Defin- UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Australia, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. 1-800-610-7035 is my toll-free number worldwide. My email address, exone at exxoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, Exxon Radio TV at Hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. My first guest tonight is author Edward Philip Fulco. Now, we're going to be talking to Edward about the Cosmic Seed trilogy. And uh, this story was conceived by in Mr. Fulco's childhood and nurtured throughout his adulthood. His interest in history, government, and politics led to a degree in political science. He has been a teacher, businessman, investor, and husband for more than 30 years. Few people are ever able to achieve a lifelong dream. Mr. Fulco considers himself very lucky to have been able to write this uh, trilogy. He hopes the story will stimulate your thinking, delight your senses, and challenge your beliefs. It stands as a scenario of one possible future for Earth. Mr. Fulco welcomes the controversy the subject of this trilogy brings to the public. Uh, He has little patience for UFO fakes, public and private debunkers, government cover-ups, or misinformation programs. It is Mr. Fulco's hope that the Cosmic Seed trilogy will excite you, the members of the Exo Nation, and the public worldwide uh, into interest in alien abductions and the UFO phenomenon. And joining me now is... Edward Philip Fulco. Welcome to the show, Ed. Thank you for having me. You know what, Ed? This is such an important topic these days, and we're very happy that you're joining us to talk about your new trilogy, The Cosmic Seed. But uh, in radio, unlike in books, we have to take commercials breaks. So what you and I have to do now is we have to take a two-minute break. 
And when we come back, we're going to be discussing in as much detail as we can do in the next hour all about the cosmic seed. Exonation. Edward Philip Fulico is our special guest. His website is www.thecosmicseed.com. Once again, this is The Exxon for Monday, June the 21st in the year 2010. My name is Rob McConnell. And uh, when we come back from this two-minute commercial break, we're going to be talking about the Cosmic Seed. Once again, if you'd like to send an email to me, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, you can always chat with us here in our studios by typing in the MSN address exxonradiotv at hotmail.com or visit our website www.exxonradiotv.com I'll be back in two minutes talking about the Cosmic Seed with our special guest the author of the Cosmic Seed trilogy Edward Philip Fulco Don't go away, back in two Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen.
We're going to give the world something to talk about. Um, Paragators TV series is coming. We're very happy and excited to be working with Canada East Films. Had a meeting with uh, the producer of the series uh, Saturday, Stephen McKinnon. He was uh, up here in the Ontario area. He's originally from New Brunswick, and we uh, spoke at while we were meeting. Laura and I had the opportunity of meeting Stephen New Hamburg, a beautiful little town just west of Kitchener, Ontario. So um, all I can tell you is that after meeting with Stephen, discussing how we're going to be doing the Paragators TV series, I am so excited And we're going to be doing updates, not only on the Paragators.org website, but we're also going to be doing updates uh, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, MySpace. And uh, we're we're going to actually do Skyping from the actual shoots that we do, so you'll be able to keep right on top of it. And uh, we're we're very excited and looking forward to working with our, our new friends at Canada East Films. Our guest this hour is Ed Fulco, and um, Ed is the author of the Cosmic Seed Trilogy. And uh, Ed, Ed, if you could, could you give us a brief overview of the Cosmic Seed? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, the, uh, the Cosmic Seed uh, is an autobiography of the, uh, the name I used as an author was Henry Edward Webster. And he tells his own story. And basically, mm-hmm. he is an, uh, a person who discovers that he is an alien in the human body. And he, he's basically telling you his story. He's being used as an experiment. And uh, as a result, you get a, a kind of a good view of what alien abductions are all about and, and what the aliens who are actually here on the planet really want. And so the story really tells, he really tells his own story of how he came to be where he was. The story is told in three parts. Uh, the first part, uh, you, you basically are introduced to your character, Henry Webster, and you just can, and he discovers along with you, you discover that he has to go through this experiment and in order to help his own people mm-hmm. as well as the people uh, throughout the universe. And of course, uh, like all good stories, it uh, has a lot of bad aliens and bad government bureaucrats that don't want this to happen. And so the conflict uh, is almost immediate and it's continual throughout the entire story. One of the things that I enjoyed uh, most about this uh, particular story was I was able to, in the second uh, in the second book, I was able to go in and give you a picture of what Henry's alien world was like and what it was like for him to grow up in a totally different environment than the one we live in now, and uh, to compare that world with an evolving Earth, uh, and that was that's really where your second story comes in, and, and it kind of just continues to grow your the universe gets bigger as the story goes on you begin to realize there's more than one universe you begin to un- realize that universes are being developed mm-hmm. uh, uh, by uh, nature and the scientists out there are studying them and so the world continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and that's what I really enjoyed about it uh, in the 13th universe which was the uh, last uh, book in the trilogy really kind of brings it all together and gives you an idea of what I call the secret of the cosmos really is. And, of course, you have to read the book to do that. But one of the things that I did to help the trilogy uh, uh, is I I wanted to give people uh, a picture of what the aliens look like, what the ships look like, uh, uh, what some of the philosophy of an alien would be. And I wrote the uh, Cosmic Sea Trilogy companion book, which is also part of uh, the the, uh, series. If you buy it, you get all four. 
And uh, I had some really great artists draw some great pictures, and um, and you get an idea of what the aliens actually look like. Uh, and as you're as you're reading the story, you can actually look and see what they look like. And I think that I think that enhances the story. It's not quite a movie, <laughs> but uh, it, it gives you an idea of uh, what I'm describing in the book, and you need to get a visual picture of it. And I really wanted that. I tried to do it by putting some of the aliens on the covers of some of the book, but there just wasn't enough space, and there's too many aliens. So uh, I uh, wrote this little um, little companion mm-hmm. to it that um, uh, also goes into some of the background of the story. You know, I, uh, I like that idea because the people who are reading the book can actually have the movie going on in their mind based on, based on your diagrams. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a visual yeah. Uh, of uh, of what what was happening in the story, and uh, I wish I could have done a lot more drawings. Uh, but uh, uh, people who are in the writing industry know that artists are hard to find and they're hard to keep. <laughs> and uh, and some artists can do some kinds of drawings, and other artists can do other kinds of drawings. So it's it's a it's a it's a real search. It's really a lot of work. I actually spent more time and more money on this little. Uh, 60, 70, 80 page uh, companion than I did in all the other books put together. Uh, so it's, it's an enormous task to put something like that together. But uh, when you find the right people, it, it's really very rewarding. Yes, it is. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, that's... Especially when I can tell, tell this story mm-hmm. that I, I've had with me for so many years uh, that, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a young man anymore. So it's... Uh, uh, it, it was. I, I often wondered if I'd ever be able to get it down on paper, but uh, uh, it, was, it was very satisfying to be able to do this. And uh, I'm hoping that people, when they read it, they'll kind of get a different vision of the uh, of uh, the world you're living in, and the potential that the world you could live in. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, I was I was hoping I'd be able to get uh, a lot of questions from people out there uh, that uh, would be interested in. And uh, they can always go to my website and uh, ask questions uh, about uh, uh, anything that they uh, uh, had in their mind, whether they've read the story well, or well, not. Well, let me let me it. let me ask you a few questions. Ed, you know, what was sure. your what was your inspiration for writing the Cosmic Seed? Well, that's uh, you know that's one of the things that uh, um, I'm going to be doing another radio show on, and I'm, I'm hoping to do a blog on it. Uh, when I was 11 years old, I. Uh, I uh, went to a barbecue at a friend's house, me and about eight or nine other 11-year-olds, and we saw a UFO. And that UFO came down close enough to you almost could reach up and touch it. And uh, during that UFO visit, mm-hmm. I lost about an hour of time. And I didn't realize it until the next day that so much time had gone by. And that, you know, what seemed like a, well, seeing this UFO for about four or five minutes was actually over an hour. And after that, this story, the Cosmic Sea, just popped into my head. And I just kept working with it and working with it uh, over the years. And I kept having this idea that, you know, put it down in writing, get it in writing. Well, I wasn't a great student in high school, and I wasn't a great student uh, in, in college. And I, I, my expertise was really in political science, and mm-hmm. I wasn't that great of a writer. And I really had to... Uh, fight in order to put this in, in uh, uh, down on, in paper. And I was very, very fortunate to find a great editor that, that uh, 
uh, took my story and made it readable for uh, for people uh, out there. And that's that's where I was. Um, that's where the inspiration of this came. I mean, I literally lived with this story my whole life, and uh, and lived with many of the characters. I just, you just lived with them uh, until finally I was able to. Uh, 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 actually sit down and write the story. It was in the early 80s I actually started writing quite a bit of it. And uh, then my wife and I started this business uh, in the mid-80s, and I had to run the business. And so uh, for about a 10-, 12-year period, uh, that's what I did until the business was able to carry itself enough for me to be able to go back to writing. And uh, that's when I began to uh, consolidate the story and put it all together. And an amazing thing happens when you sit down and you write a story is a lot of times you, you you don't know you don't know where you're going in the story and then all of a sudden it just comes to you and uh and the, the story just kept feeding on itself and feeding on itself and i could see that it wasn't going to be just one book um each of the trilogy books are about 350 pages so if i was going to write one book it would be well over a thousand pages mm-hmm. and probably even too much for one book uh, so i uh I broke the I broke the story up into those three parts, and uh, I, I was I was delighted with the way, it, the way it turned out. Now, why did you use the pen name Henry Edward Webster if this is your life story? Well, it's not my story in the sense that uh, I, I I I'm I'm not that person. What I am is I'm, I'm telling the story of that person. That's why I use the pseudonym uh, Henry is. Um, uh, Henry is the name uh, that kings have used for centuries, and Edward—I don't, I don't know—that's my my first name. But Edward is uh, a combination name. Ed was a um, uh, was a god in, in ancient times, mm-hmm. and Ward was his servant. And Edward, uh, the name Edward, and many kings were named Edward, mean that they were the servant of God. That's where that that, that word comes from. And Webster, while it's um, uh, of course the name of the dictionary, it also it also means weaver. And this is what Henry does, is he has to weave all of these people, both good and bad, together to try to make this story. And in doing so, hopefully uh, people out there will understand uh, where it's going. You see, the premise of the story is very much that Earth as a planet is a laboratory for aliens from all over the world. That's why we've had alien visits and UFOs and alien abductions for literally thousands of years. They got them on, they've got pictures of aliens on cave walls, you know, thousands of years ago. And then, of course, if any of you have read anything by Zachariah Stitchin, uh, know that a lot of this is was actually well-known information. Uh, nobody really denied the fact that people were coming here from another planet and were influencing what humans did here. Uh, for one reason or another, I, um, I don't know if you've ever had Zacharias. Yes, I have many. Show. Yes, I have many times. Yes, he's um, he's a great historian. His work is nonfiction, and uh, he, he really has a grasp of that particular history. And um, so this is so this phenomenon of UFOs is not something that happened in 1947 with Roswell. Ed, you and it I have really to take is. a commercial break. Please stand by. Sure. Ed Folko is our special guest, Exonation. He's the author of the Cosmic Seed trilogy. His website is www.thecosmicseed.com. That's www.thecosmicseed.com. We'll be back on the other side of this news break as the Exon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.x. ZBN.net. We're talking about the Cosmic Seed trilogy this hour. Ed Fulco, the author, is our special guest. His website is www.thecosmicseed.com. Ed, why do you think there are alien abductions? Well, I think it's all part of, uh, of the fact that this planet, and probably a lot of other planets, are really laboratories that the people are studying. I mean, if you think about what we would do if we went to another planet, or what we do even on this planet, you know, you, right now we have scientists out there in the forest that, that uh, they, they, they uh, done tigers, and they put collars around them, and they take blood samples and measurements, and then they follow the, the animal through, through its cycle to learn about what that uh, animal is doing and how it reacts to circumstances, how long it lives, what kind of uh, illnesses it attracts, and so forth. Well, it's obvious for uh, an advanced civilization that comes across a planet like this one to do the same thing. And basically what they're doing is they're studying people. Now, you can't just study one human and figure out what everybody is doing. You have to study a lot of humans over a long period of time because each generation, as you know, is a little bit different than previous generations. And each uh, uh, culture, uh, each religion, uh, each territory that people live in all uh, make humans different. And uh, they all have different languages, different beliefs. And, and so as a, as a planet, if you're studying the entire planet, you really have to abduct people. You have to do experiments on them. You have to figure out why the physiology of this particular individual is uh, good for something and then others don't. It doesn't work for them. They they become uh, they're they're weaker bee people. They're not as smart. Why is that? And they this is one of the ways they discover how quickly the evolution of the uh, primate that's on the planet is is growing. Is it is are we improving? Uh, human beings over our over our history of the last maybe a couple of hundred uh, uh, thousand years, we have uh, grown taller um, uh, and uh, we have been able to. Uh, create medicines and so forth that help us live longer. Uh, those are all forms of evolution as we get, uh, as we move along. 
Well, if you're uh, if you already belong to a species that says lives for thousands and thousands of years, you'd be curious as to why we only live 70 or 80 years. You know, uh, wh- why are we so vulnerable? Uh, if you live in a society that says that has a has a closed system, that is, all the food that you eat is used by your body, and there is no excrement. There is, uh, and and here's a, here's a species that still does that. And it's, so you want to know why. And that's basically what uh, what uh, abductions are all about. It's curiosity. What makes humans the way they are? Why do they think the way they do? Uh, why are some aggressive and leaders and others are followers? Those things are the things that you have to study. And, and when you have a planet like this one, you not only study the, the people, but you study the animals and the plants, and you study the system that you're in. How long is this planet going to last? Uh, what is the effect that uh, the changes in the solar system are going to have? Uh, they certainly were here, at least in, in, my, uh, in my story, the way my concept of the story worked was that they were here when the solar system was first formed. So they were studying everything. They were studying the stars, how the planets formed. They studied it all the way through the dinosaur area. Uh, all, of, all of that is all part of their history. And they don't do just one planet like this one or one solar system. They're doing thousands and thousands of them all over this galaxy, perhaps other galaxies, even throughout the entire universe, as a way to understand what life is all about, what is existence all about. You have to, you have to do that scientific research. We do it to understand our own society. We do it to understand uh, other cultures. We do it to understand other, uh, other animals. And that's essentially what's happening with uh, uh, the alien abductions. That's just one part of what they're doing. And most people, I believe, in, in my story, I, I, tell, I, I tell people that everybody on this planet is being followed, even though you probably are not aware of it. Only some people are being actually abducted and taken and, and having specific experiments done on you. And that's because there's not one race that's doing this. There's a lot of different alien races that are doing it, and they're doing different experiments for different reasons. And so you have, you have some people who... Uh, are picked up early in life and are abducted many times over their entire lives. There's some people that are picked up once and then that's it. Uh, and some people react uh, very, uh, very badly to being abducted. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes uh, there are there are others that you know they kind of go along with it. They figure, okay, I'll just go along with it. And so uh, you have you have an entire an entire different uh, species uh, of aliens that are doing different things at all particular times, all of, all throughout history they've been doing this. So that's where I came with the idea of uh, abductions. Mm. And uh, do, you, do you think that these do you think these aliens or whatever they are or whoever they are pose a threat to humanity? Probably not. Uh, a scientist generally doesn't want to destroy its subject. Uh, most of the time, is the idea is to keep it alive as long as possible and study it as long as possible to get as much information as possible. Uh, I think uh, all of the aliens that uh, are, are actually abducting people would have probably little opportunity, little uh, not opportunity, that little resistance in taking over a planet like this. The point would be, what would be the purpose? Um, why would you want to take over a primitive planet like this one when you come from a much more highly developed planet, unless the planet had something you wanted? 
Um, and they're obviously there's nothing on this planet that they want other than information. And so I'm, I, I don't think any of these people um, uh, have any designs on taking over this world, uh, although I do believe that uh, some aliens are influencing individuals, and uh, not always does that, uh, it, not only do they influence them in a good way necessarily. Um, so you, you might have some bad influences mm-hmm. on parts, but I don't think there's any real threat. I think that the United States government knows that, too. Uh, if you remember back in 1952 when the White House had flying saucers flying over it, and uh, they all looked up and said, oh, well, there's nothing to worry about, you know. Um, I, I believe that the, the, the government knows that these aliens are coming here and they're studying us, and I think they have tacitly or maybe even actually given their permission to allow, allow them to continue to do that. What, what, um, what evidence do you have of that? Well, I think there's I think there's actually been a lot of evidence. There's been a lot of books written about uh, how we have reverse engineered the, the things that we found at Roswell and some mm, of the other crashes. You see, you see I don't buy and that. I, to be honest with you, I I find that there's you don't buy that. no there's no evidence to support any of the claims that anything from out of this world actually crashed at Roswell. Because for, for you know, like how in the name of heaven could you actually hide the fact that? Some people believe it's in a hangar in in Ohio. Some people believe that whatever was recovered what is is in Area 51. Others believe that you know it's here, there, and everywhere. There, and with the the availability of information today, for this information and the proof not to have surfaced after over sixty years, it makes no sense. Uh, have you ever been in the military? I've been in law enforcement and with intelligence. Okay, because there, when you when when something is classified, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it doesn't really matter what the classification is. Once classified, once something is classified by somebody, the need to know is what makes the difference between who gets to know about this and who doesn't. All right. Well, let's and, ju- let's just talk about the military that, aspect where, here for a where, second. Let's just talk about the military aspect here for a second. Jesse sure, Marcel. Je- Jesse Marcel. Jesse Marcel, who was the mm-hmm. base intelligence officer, broke protocol. He violated mm-hmm. his own oath. So mm-hmm. as soon as he did that, by, by instead of retrieving the information, uh, the objects, and bringing it right to the Air Force Base, what did the idiot do? He brings it home to show his wife and his kid. Now, mm-hmm. no one with common sense or uh, uh, an IQ higher than an am- amoeba that's in the military would have done that. As soon as Jesse Marcel did that, he broke all credibility. Well, I, I think uh, Jesse. I, if you've talked, you probably have talked to his son. Sure have. Uh, I, I've had I've had a, tr- a chance to talk to him. He was in Roswell a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I had a chance to talk to him a little bit. I think I think he didn't think that this was going to be denied. I think he, he thought, "Hey, here's the proof, and uh, everybody's going to know about it now." The chain and of custody. He didn't how the government was going to come down on this. Well, of, well, of course not. Now, come on. He's, he's and I think that's to, why he, 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 he was kind of lackadaisical about what he was doing about this information. Uh, so he had these parts. Uh, Jesse, uh, Marcel Jr. still remembers some of the markings and so forth uh, uh, that, he, he, that he saw when he was a, a young boy. Uh, it's, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Confident that, uh, that that there was probably a ship that Ross, uh, Roswell that would actually did fall. 
there were others that wrote about uh, actually handling the information afterwards. Uh, there was another uh, writer oh, who sure. died. Yeah, after that. the fact, there's been tons of books written, tons mm-hmm. of speeches, tons of this, that, and the other thing. And yet, for a period of time after the alleged event, nothing was said for year after year after year after year until Stan Friedman pops up. Yeah, comes yeah, up with this. Seventies, yeah, exactly. So, if the event yeah. really did happen, and if it was this spectacular, the story would not have died back in the 1940s. Well, you have to understand back in the 40s and 50s, when somebody came to your door and said, hey, this is classified information, don't talk about it, people did. But we don't know if that really happened. I mean, there was a crash in 1952 in Kingman that nobody has talked about today. We don't know if that really happened. We don't know if that really happened. There is no evidence to support the fact or the claim that a UFO really crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. There's no evidence. None whatsoever. Uh, except for what people said they saw. It's hearsay evidence. That's all well, it that's, is. That's it's true, but that's all the government's going to give you if they're or, trying to cover up something. Or, they're not going to say, well, Oh, come know. on, come on, come on. Let's get, done. Let's get our feet back on Earth here for a minute. If you've got all these people who saw this fantastic thing, and you're telling me that it took, what, nearly 30 years after the event for the story to come back to life? It makes right. no sense. Yeah, and I, and I don't really think Roswell is probably a good example uh, of, uh, of of a crash. There there have been there have been there have been several crashes after that that were probably would have been better than uh, than Roswell uh, because there are people who have been able to hang on to pieces. Mm-hmm. But the only problem is if, if the government finds out you got it, they come get you. So most of these people who have either seen UFOs. Uh, or have had pieces of uh, of a crashed UFO. They keep them. They keep their mouth shut. They keep it for themselves. They you know they pass it down to their kids. Because so how do we afraid. know? How do we know that you have it's to understand? True. Right after Roswell, people who lived in that community were visited by military people who told them they'd take them out in the middle of the desert and bury them if they ever said anything. I mean, well, that's what they say. Scared. It's a sensationalistic you know, that's story. The way, that's the way government worked in those days. They, they how do you they know this? You know. How do you know this for a fact? Because a lot of them now that they're older and unafraid uh, of had this happening to them are coming out and talking about it, you know. That's, that's where this information once, all comes from. But once again, we're talking about hearsay information. We're not talking about fact. We're not talking about anything that could be substantiated by physical evidence or proof. Uh, only that there, more than one person was hearing it at the same time. I mean, how many, how many people do you need? to tell the same stories over and over again before you say, gee, maybe there's some credibility to this. Uh, when hey, when one on. person says, gee, they threatened me, yeah, you might say that's one person. But when 50 say it, that that start give, that gives it a little bit of credibility. But that's if the difference. It and that's what's get, happened over the years. No, with, sir. Uh, with no, all what has these. happened over the year? Roswell's turned into an urban legend. It's perpetrated perpetrated by people who have... It probably doesn't deserve its position either you know it's it's what it's happened is ufology has has turned into a cash cow a way for people to explain things that they could never explain before it allows people to fit into a a little niche of society where they don't fit in anywhere else they Mm -hmm. don't have to wait a minute please wait a minute please they don't mm-hmm. have to prove anything in order for this story to be taken as real. And and once mm-hmm. again, the Internet, in my opinion, is nothing else but the biggest septic tank that mankind has ever created. Because so many bimbos believe that if it's on the Internet, 
It's got to it's be true. true. Yeah, and that's obviously uh, that's obviously a real mistake yeah. uh, because anybody can put any kind of information on the internet, and that doesn't mean it has any credibility at all. Exactly. But uh, but the government does this too. I mean, I uh, there are uh, the the people at the Area Fifty One. Uh, they used the idea of a UFO to cover up their B, their B-1 flights that they mm-hmm. had there. As well as the F-117. Now we know that yep. they had the B-1 there and they were flying yep. it. And if you look at a B-1, it kind of looks like a a, a, a diamond-shaped uh, craft. All right, you and I have to take our final that. break. Please stand by. Exxon Nation. Ed Fulco's our guest. He's the author of the Cosmic Seed Trilogy. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Here in the X Zone, don't go away. This is the X Zone Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good to Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Dreams are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder, Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. Ed Fulco is our special guest, Explanation. He is the author of The Cosmic Seed Trilogy. His website is www.thecosmicseed.com. Uh, Ed, yeah, you, you and I were talking uh, just before we went to the break about uh, how, how, could the, how could this be actually... Well, I was saying, you know, that, that I, I don't believe a lot of the stuff that, that ufologists talk about because doing this show for nearly 20 years, five nights a week, four hours a night... I've heard a lot of grandstanding. 
I've heard a lot of mm-hmm. babble, but no one has been able to provide any proof. And if that, if if we're saying that this is such a real thing, people are getting abducted. Uh, the government is is in cahoots with the aliens. Uh, that you know they've been around for centuries. How come there's no physical evidence to substantiate any claim made by anyone? Well, other than uh, I think a lot of it is the aliens actually haven't come down and actually uh, you know had a press conference and talked to people. Uh, but there have been thousands and thousands of uh, photographs, many of them taken by professionals and people who fly aircraft and mm-hmm. in aircraft, and and these have been seen by highly professional people, and they're telling us that those were not airplanes, those those were not uh, you know uh, weather balloons yeah. flying around. And so you you have to you, you know these are experienced uh, many experienced pilots uh, have uh, have seen UFOs and you know so you can't dismiss everybody and say well it's all hearsay well uh, you know, everything like... anybody says is hearsay and I can understand your your point in that, that a lot of UFO people uh, are you know they're they're just uh, out to try to make a buck for themselves yeah. or maybe they they believe in in, in the stuff and, and they in order to give credibility to themselves they make up stuff. You know, I yeah, that's but that's the true of any field uh, of, in, of endeavor. I mean, you know, that's what that's what makes movies. I mean, they they get out there and they pretend, and the, the better pretender is the guy that gets the most money. Uh, but I don't I don't think that um, uh, I don't think you can say there's no evidence for UFOs. I mean, the, the photographs that were taken over the White House in 1952 uh, were solid. I mean, uh, the the, uh, the in fact the government never even denied that they were there. Uh, or even tried to tell us they were something else. Mm-hmm. They simply said there were no threat, and that was where that all ended. And in 1950, you know, right out of World War II, people just accepted what the government said. Now it's when we're coming by and saying, "Hey, wait a minute!" You know, uh, President Eisenhower went before the American public and said there were no U-2 planes, and we don't we don't hey, spy on Russia. Hey, listen, Ed, we've run out of time. Ed, we've run out of time for tonight. I want to thank you very much for joining us. Uh, interesting book. Maybe. Interesting theory. I've heard it all before. Do I believe? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the strongest, 1 being the weakest, I give this story a 1. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues right here in the ah uh, from the studios of the Exxon in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. 